Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. My name is Danny. I'm here with my wife, Haley. Hi, y'all. We live in Texas and work for Stumo at Texas A&M, and we are pumped about our time with y'all today. So thanks for joining us. This is called Tough Love, where we're going to dive into the world of romantic relationships. <laughs> and so if you're tuning in, you just might be trying to take yourself off the market in 2022. Woo. We're pumped to talk about relationships with you. A little bit about us. We've been married for almost 15 years, and we have... Ooh. Three little girls. Peyton is our oldest. She's eight. And then we have Pruitt, who is six. And Pearson is three. Y'all, I will never forget the moment when I became convinced that I had no idea what I was doing when it came to relationships. I was in high school and I had been on two dates with a girl and it was right before Christmas. And, and I didn't know if I should buy her a gift or not. So two dates, you know, is it is it too soon to buy her a Christmas present after two dates? Uh, or will she think that I don't like her if I don't? So I ended up buying her a bracelet. And after I gave it to her, she asked me the four most dreaded words any man can ever hear. So what are we? Fellas, if you ever hear those words, you know you've done something terribly wrong. Unfortunately, that was only one of many fails for me when it came to relationships each of our first experiences, Haley and I's first experiences with relationships with the opposite sex started in middle school. Yes. Ugh. In middle school, I learned how disappointing relationships could be. My first kiss was when I was in eighth grade. I had a boyfriend and I remember we were just with a bunch of people at this party. And then all of a sudden, everybody like cleared out of the room. And it was just me and Luke sitting on this bench together alone. And it was kind of awkward. Like I knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. And finally he just leaned in and laid one on me. And it was so bad. It was terrible. Mm, he had tough. just, I know, I know it's so tough. It's tough. He had just like slammed a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos right before. So if you can imagine the Dorito breath, it was mm. just, it was just not, it was not it. And um, it was so awkward. And I was just, I was so disappointed. Mm. Well, my middle school experience was a little different than yours. Um, mm -hmm. While Haley was kissing Doritos bro, uh, when I was in <laughs> middle school, uh, specifically sixth grade, I was in band. Okay, mm. so, so stay with me here. Please don't turn off the <laughs> podcast. I promise it was cool at my school to be in band in sixth grade. Uh, I wanted to play trombone, but my mom told me she would only pay for my instrument if I chose the clarinet. And so that, that's a whole other story for for another time but you know let's just say as a sixth grader if you wanted to make a strong impression on the ladies you should not choose a woodwind instrument nope. uh, but here I was I was you know a prepubescent clarinet player uh, the only pro to playing clarinet was that the clarinets all sat right in front of the saxophones and the hottest girl in our sixth grade class Melanie just so happened to play saxophone. So every day I strutted into band. I, you know, I popped open the clarinet uh, box, I guess. I don't know yeah. what you call it. Case? The case. The case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Clarinet case. I assembled my clarinet <laughs> and I just showed off my talent. And, and Melanie, as a saxophonist, she had a front row view. Mm. And, and I guess my seduction worked one night because she called our house phone and she asked me out. And, and honestly, I thought it was a prank. Wow. And so to save face, I said no. 
and shut her down. And I never talked to her after that night. Uh, she moved shortly after all of this happened. And so, you know what? For the last 25 years, I've wondered whether it was a prank or not. Anyway, fast forward uh, to high school. Haley and I actually went to high school together. And my senior year, I decided to ask her out. Uh, she said yes. I picked her up in my lifted Dodge Ram truck, of course. Um, and and I, I showed up. She was wearing this very thick baby blue <laughs> turtleneck. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember wow. that. Um, and, and, you know, we started dating in high school. We ended up going to my senior prom together. Uh, but we had no clue what we were doing when it came to relationships. Right, right. The only advice we'd really gotten was just like, don't have sex because you're going to get an STD or you're going to get pregnant. And that advice just wasn't super compelling. So we didn't really have any boundaries physically or emotionally when it came to relationships. We got super close emotionally because we spent so much time with each other and we just shared everything. Right. And as we got closer emotionally, it led us to becoming closer physically. Without having any boundaries, we just started hooking up and experimenting sexually with things we had seen or heard about. And honestly, it just seemed like the natural progression yeah. a relationship was supposed to take. And so as we continued dating, we started experiencing the consequences of these bad relationship decisions. We were arguing all the time. We'd, mm -hmm. we'd get jealous of the other person if they talked to someone of the opposite sex. We didn't really trust one another. We, we continued dating into college before ultimately breaking up. And looking back at that period of our lives, I mean, we, we experienced the brokenness that so many people feel in relationships. Yeah. Confusion, hurt, and being filled with regret. We want you guys to just think about this question for a second. How have you experienced emotional pain, confusion, or regret in relationships? Proverbs 14, 12 says this. It says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And for Haley and I, doing what, act, what felt right in relationships, it actually hurt the most. We are great examples of how to do relationships the wrong way. And so we want to be the first to tell you that we're not perfect. Um, honestly, there's going to there's gonna come a day where we're going to sit down with our three little girls and we're going to teach them all that we know about relationships and how to do it right. And, and we know that inevitably they're going to ask us, yeah. hey, mommy, daddy, what was your relationship right? Did you do it right? And we're going to have to we're going to have to be honest with them and tell them all that we've shared here today and more. We're with heavy hearts. We're going to tell them, no, girls, we didn't. But we're going to get to follow that up with very with two very sweet words and and these are words, Haley, that you and I are yes. really looking forward yes. to saying. Two very sweet words. Hey, girls, no, we didn't do it right, but something changed. Something changed in our relationship. Yeah, what changed is that after we broke up, we ended up making separate decisions to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. We both learned how to read and obey the Bible, and we started making that a habit in our lives. In relationships, I just wasn't looking to guys for fulfillment anymore. And we both started following Jesus and prioritizing a relationship with God apart from one another. And here's the thing. Your past relationships may be marked by brokenness, but your future ones don't have to be. God offers us a better way. Haley and I started dating again 
late in college. You know, we dated at the first part of college. We broke up. We started dating again later in college. And because of our past, we knew that we needed some help if we wanted to do this new relationship the right way. We knew we needed some tough love. So have you ever received tough love before? Tough love is advice you get that may sting at first, but later you're super grateful for it because it was honest and it was true. You know, it's, it's like the friend who will tell you when you have lettuce stuck in your teeth or when you leave your iPhone <laughs> flashlight on, you know, thank, thank goodness for those friends. Thank goodness. Yeah, it's the friend that tells you straight up that your outfit looks terrible and that you need to go change or the friend that will tell you that like, oh, he's just not that into you. We needed a lot of tough love when it came to relationships. Our own past relationship had been a train wreck. And through following Christ, we had become different people and we knew we needed and wanted to do relationships differently than we had in the past. We knew we didn't know all there was about relationships. Could that be true for you too? Would you be willing to receive some tough love about relationships today? If so, we want to share with you guys some things that we believe make the biggest difference in your relationships with the opposite sex. And so, and so here's the thing, you know, before we dive in, to some specifics, mm-hmm. our, our assumption is that each of you want to be in a satisfying relationship either now or sometime in the future. In order to make that happen, you could get advice on relationships from anywhere in the world. You know, Google, you know, your friend down the street, everyone has an opinion about relationships. Yeah, but the problem is, is that most of the advice out there is really bad. You'll hear things like, you should put yourself out there or you should date around, date as many people as possible so you know what you like, like a buffet. I remember my mom kind of telling me that. It's bad advice. You should move in together. You should take the relationship for a test drive. We heard that one before. You should hook mm-hmm. up first. You have to. You have to see if you're sexually compatible, right? Mm-hmm. If you're serious about one another, you'll spend as much time together as possible. Mm. A lot of bad advice out there. Lots of bad advice. Uh, Apart from making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, apart from making Jesus the Lord of of your life, meaning the one who you submit your life to and allow to call the shots in your life, apart from making Jesus Lord, we believe if you do this one thing, it will make the biggest difference when it comes to relationships. Okay, are are you ready for it? Here, Here it is. We want you guys to focus on the right person to be not the person you want to be with. Each of you aspires to be in a satisfying relationship. We assume that each of you even wants to be married one day. Because of that, it is easy for your focus to be on finding a mate. We believe that for you to enjoy a satisfying relationship you've always wanted, you must shift your focus from finding a mate to forming your character instead. Focus on the right person to be, not on the person you want to be with. So today... Out of all the things that we want to say to you, and I promise we want to say a lot, (laughs) out of all the things we want to say to you, we want to try and prove to you why this one point, why this one thing is so necessary. And then we want to show you some practical ways that you can start to do it. Okay, Before, before jumping into that, think about these two questions. The first is, how has your past been focused on finding the right person? And how do you think focusing on your personal character development could transform a future relationship?
All right, we believe that you should focus on the right person to be, not the person you want to be with, because of these three benefits. Okay, the first benefit is this. It's the benefit of building a lasting foundation. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus shares a metaphor about two different types of houses. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. When you focus on your own character formation, you build a foundation that lasts. You know what doesn't last? Your looks. Mm-hmm. I, I turned 38 <laughs> a couple of months ago. Uh, I, I found out from my doctor that I have higher than normal cholesterol levels. Oh, gosh. Above average cholesterol levels, is, which is what you do not want. Right, right. Uh, my hairline is receding and my waistline is expanding. Oh. Um, I have love handles. Um, I, I grew a beard to cover up my face. Haley, you can stop me at any time. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop you. I'm stopping. <laughs> I don't look like I used to. <laughs> stop, stop. Okay, yes. Okay, but Proverbs 31.30 says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So why should she be praised? Because her character is something that's going to last. Character is what will last. Y'all, if we're honest, many of the things that we devote our time to right now will not last. Like our Instagram feed is filled with people that we'll lose touch with and not speak to for the next five years. Many of your current acquaintances and friendships just aren't going to last. Right. I know that's tough to It's hard. think about now. You're so close to so many people, but, but it happens. Um, some other things that won't last, you know, many of, the, many of the things that you're involved in now you won't care about the second you walk the stage at graduation. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like your sorority's GPA rank or the <laughs> ratio of girls at your parties, fellas, or your intramural stats. You know, These are things that you may care deeply about now, but the second you graduate, you won't care about. It, 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 it doesn't last. Your time investment now into your character, though, it will yield a return. Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. The second benefit is that you're waiting until you're ready to date. So when you focus on the right person to be, it will help you safeguard from jumping into the relationship before you're ready. That's good. Yeah, it'll it'll help you wait until you're ready to date. I I was looking up... um, buildings the other day and I found out that uh, the Burj Khalifa, which is in Dubai, it's the tallest building in the world, that it took five years to complete it from excavation, you know, digging the hole Mm -hmm. in the ground for the foundation all the way up to the the final, uh, you know, spire at the top. It took five years to complete. They spent over a year just building the foundation. Uh, Because if you want to build something significant, it requires a significant foundation. By focusing a year on laying the proper foundation, it required everyone to wait until you could see any progress above ground. Like imagine you're, you know, driving your your car in yeah. Dubai, and for a year you hear about this 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 building that's going to be built. It's going to be the tallest building in the world, but for a year you see literally no progress above ground. Gosh, it's because they were trying to build the proper foundation. When you focus on your character formation, it will take your eyes off of finding a mate is your goal, and it will make character development the goal. 
Yeah, here's the thing. Most of you feel like you're ready to date, right? But if we can share some tough love with you, most of you are not ready. You might feel ready because at your school, there might be tens of thousands of people of the opposite sex who are available. You might feel ready because your hormones are all revved up and you're ready to act on your physical impulses. You might feel ready because you're going to graduate soon and you're thinking, gosh, I better make a move now before Mm. all these available options disappear. You might think you're ready because you really vibe well with a certain person or a few different people, and it just feels right when you're with them. The truth is, your readiness is based off of character, not chemistry. Your readiness is based off of an ability to be in a relationship, not a desire to be in a relationship. That's good. You are ready when the foundation of your character is ready to support the type of relationship you want to build. And I, I hope you want to build a skyscraper yes, yes. of a relationship. Focus on the right person to be, not the person you want to be with. This will help you wait until you are ready to date. Okay. The third benefit, the third benefit of focusing on the right person to be is the benefit of raising your standards. Uh, as you get older, I, I hope this is true of you. <laughs> Um, But as you get older, you eat less and less of the foods that you did when you were a kid. You know, know, some of you are still Mm. living off of Pop-Tarts and (laughs) Hot Pockets, which are delicious, I will agree. But for most people, as you age, you eat less and less of the foods you did when you were a kid. Why? Because your palate gets refined. Mm -hmm. You You get exposed to really good food and you start to change your standards for what you will eat, you prefer a filet over fish sticks. (laughs) Why? Because you've raised your standards. Yes. Paul says in Philippians 3, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says he pressed on toward the goal to win the prize. What is his goal? It was to know Jesus and to become like Christ. When you focus on the right person to be, you become more Christ-like. And in the process, you start to raise your standards and are less susceptible to settle. When you start valuing Christ-likeness in your own life, you will start to value Christ-likeness in the people you consider dating. Ladies, if I can say something to you specifically, maybe maybe it's because I'm the dad of three girls. uh, But there's nothing more heartbreaking than to see a girl who is a 10 settle for a guy who's a 4. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean 10, like from a look standpoint, I mean, <laughs> a, a girl who's a 10 <laughs> from a character standpoint, right? And it's, it's heartbreaking to see a girl who is a 10 in character settle for a guy who has a, a character of four mm-hmm. simply because she's scared. She's not going to find someone And this. This can happen to guys too, but I see it way too often with girls. So ladies, please don't settle. Focus on your character, raise your standards, and ask God to bring someone along who's doing the same thing too. Focusing on the right person to be, not the person you want to be with, will benefit you by building a lasting foundation. It will help you wait until you're ready to date, and it will make you raise your relationship standards. So specifically, what do you do to start growing in your character? That feels like a daunting task. Mm -hmm. There's so many areas you could focus on. So where do you start? Yeah, we, we just looked at why you mm-hmm. should focus on the right person to be. Now we want to tell you how. We, we want to share some thoughts on how you can start doing this. And, and what we want to do, we want to suggest nine key areas that are essential for you to develop if you want to build a foundation of character 
that can support a God-honoring relationship. So where did we get these nine areas? Okay, I, I promise we didn't just choose them because we felt like they were the best. <laughs> um, we're not that smart. Right. And so we, we actually got them from some of Jesus's last words. Yes. Okay, check this out. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And, and when you hear that, you're like, Danny, that doesn't say anything about character areas. But, but check out that last part one more time. Okay, It says, obey everything I have commanded you. And, and that's the direction that God is giving to every single Christ follower is to obey everything I have commanded. Everything that Jesus commanded, you're thinking there's no way that I can do that. You know, there's gotta be thousands of things that Jesus commanded. You know, he, he, must, he was always t telling people to do stuff. Here's the thing. There's actually fewer commands that Jesus gave than you might think. There's only about 50 commands that Jesus gives in the New Testament. If you take out the repeated commands in the gospel stories, there's right at 50, depending on who you ask. So now, as you're starting out, you, you know, tr trying to grow in your character, trying to obey everything that Jesus commands, trying to remember 50 commands is still overwhelming. And yeah. so what Haley and I tried to do, we tried to help you out, okay? We studied the 50 commands of Christ and found that they really kind of fall into nine categories. And so we're going to give you the nine summary commands of Christ. And this is going to be your starting point for your character development, okay? Why? Because these are necessary for any Christ follower to grow in. So it's the ideal place to start as you focus on the right person to be. Okay, so the first summarizing command of Christ is to make Jesus Christ your Lord. Jesus Christ should be your Lord for an infinite number of reasons, all right? You know, that, that's how you get your sins forgiven. That's how you gain eternal life. That's how you uh, just experience the redemption and the grace that God offers. But when it comes to relationships, specifically, if Jesus Christ is not the one who is in charge of your life, then you have no shot of a God-honoring relationship. Jesus knows how life and how relationships work best. So the only way to have the best relationship is if Jesus Christ is in charge of your life and you are submitted to him. Jesus is also the one that makes your character development even possible. Once your life is surrendered to him, he helps you become more like him. The second summarizing command of Christ is to grow with Christ. Not only must you submit to Jesus as Lord, but you must be committed to growing in your relationship with him. You know, college is a challenging environment to grow spiritually because of the temptation that's all around you. Uh, but in many ways, it's, it's the perfect environment for you to grow you, because you will have more discretionary time in college than any other time in your life. And you may be hearing that saying, well, Danny, you don't know my schedule. Here's the thing. I know y'all are busy, right? There's a lot going on in the world of college student organizations, clubs, studying, social life. But here's the thing. The, the majority of those things are things that are optional because you're choosing to do them. 
But once you graduate and you work a full-time job, an, an employer is going to speak for about 50 to 60 hours of your week. And so your discretionary time will shrink. So take advantage of the yes. college schedule now. You know, maybe that's saying no to some things you're committed to right now so that you free up more margin to focus on your character development. Uh, make this upcoming semester the best semester of your life when it comes to knowing God. The third summarizing command of Christ is to submit to authority. And uh, who boy, yeah. th this, <laughs> this, is, this is a big one. Uh, <laughs> this is a massive one we see a big need for among college students. Fellas, if you want to lead a relationship well mm -hmm. one day, you're going to have to learn how to be a follower first. Mm -hmm. And if it's hard for you to submit to authority, then it's going to be even harder for you to lead a relationship the way that God intends it. Ladies, if you can't learn to submit to authority now, later on, if God does lead you to marry, you're not going to trust a future husband and you're going to be tempted to just to, to always challenge mm -hmm. a future husband. Totally. Yeah, guys, submitting to God's authority is the only way that relationships will work. Okay, so we thought of a few questions for you to consider um, just to yourself. Are you submitting yourself to God's authority and obeying him? Right now, your authority is your parents. Are you submitting yourself to your parents' authority? Are you guys like buying things on their credit cards that they're never going to find out about? Do you obey the law? If you're in an organization on campus, like a fraternity or sorority, are you submitting to the leadership? Or do you pick and choose what you think you should do? Jesus is the standard here, you guys. He says, for I have come down from heaven not to do the not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, John 6, 38. Although Jesus is God, he submitted himself to God the Father. If Jesus can submit to authority, so can you. Yeah, if, Je if, if Jesus the, can do if it. If the God of the universe can do it, then, <laughs> then we can do it too. Okay. Those are the first three. We've got six more to go. Number four, the fourth summarizing command of Christ in order to obey all that Jesus has commanded is, is, is this, is to minister to others. Yeah, here's why it matters in relationships. In a marriage, you're required to constantly put the needs of your spouse and your kids before your own. You need to start making that a habit now or else you won't do it in a relationship. So are you putting the needs of others ahead of your own? Are you sharing your faith with others and trying to lead them to Christ? Are you teaching others to obey everything Jesus commanded? We believe that one of the greatest things you can do to prepare for marriage, even as a single person, is to minister to other people. It forces you to consider other people's needs before your own. In our opinion, the best indicator of if someone is ready to date or be in a relationship is if he or she is currently ministering to others. All right, the, the, the fifth summarizing command that Jesus gives is to be humble. Be humble. There's nothing that God blesses more than humility and opposes more than pride. And in James chapter 4, God says that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This means that if you are a prideful person, God opposes you. Whew. Are you humble? Do you admit when you're wrong? Do you put others' needs above your own? Do you talk less and listen more? Are you open to advice and critique? Are you okay with not getting what you want? Number six is to grow in holiness. One of the key marks of maturity is holiness. 
And for the godly man or godly woman, holiness is an attractive character quality. And for the godly man or godly woman, a lack of holiness is unattractive. Yeah. So we have a friend who went on a date with a guy a couple years ago, and he was attractive. He was following Christ, involved in church. He was really trying to invest in other men. It seemed like a great idea. After the date, she came home and she told us how it went. And the first thing she commented on was how much he cussed on the date. She wondered what else was true in his life. If he wasn't having self-control with his speech, what other things might be true? When he asked her out again, she turned him down. Yeah. Are you pursuing Christ's likeness in your life? Do you keep your commitments? Do you say yes, even though you know you're going to wait for a better option? Are you pursuing sexual purity? How do you talk about people? Do you slander or do you encourage? Do you speak well of other people even when they aren't around? Are you self-controlled? Are you able to live your life with restraint? Do you dress in a way that honors Christ or one that draws attention to yourself? What do you allow yourself to watch or read or listen to? The seventh summarizing command of Christ is forgive. Danny does such a great job of asking for forgiveness. <laughs> it's kind of a s- <laughs> sly, way, sly way to say I screw up a lot. He's really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> both, both are true. Uh, I do screw up a lot. Um, Haley has gotten really good at forgiving me and overlooking my offenses. Um, some questions for you to consider here. Do you have the ability to overlook someone else's offenses? Uh, Do you hold a grudge? Are you judgmental of other people? Do you allow a lack of forgiveness to cause bitterness towards someone else? The eighth summarizing command of Christ is to keep an eternal perspective. Having an eternal perspective means that you live your life on earth in light of the life that is to come. So the three things that will last forever are God, his word, and the the souls of men and women, people. People will last Mm -hmm. forever. Someone who keeps an eternal perspective invests heavily in those three things because he or she knows there's a return on the investment. So many things of the world compete for your attention and rob you of an eternal perspective. Do y'all feel that? Do you need the newest and latest clothes or gadgets? Guys, do you spend a ton of time playing video games? I know, I know. Are you overly consumed with school or your GPA? Are you consumed by social media? What would your friends say is most important to you? We're not saying that these things are necessarily sinful. They just aren't eternal. So the key is moderation. Okay, so we made it through the first eight. And the last one, the, the last summarizing command of Christ is to be wise. Yes, and honestly, the way you become wise is to live out the other eight and surround yourself with wise friends. So live out these commands of Christ and you will begin to teach and obey everything Jesus commanded. When it comes to relationships, be intentional to developing these nine things in your life and be patient for them to develop in someone else. Yeah, these these nine things need to become what mark your life. Not not just, again, not just for the sake of relationships because Because this this is what Jesus commands any Christ follower, to obey everything that I've commanded. And and as you do it, it's going to reap tremendous benefit as you approach the world of relationships. Go ahead and discuss uh, or or think about these last two questions. Which of these nine areas most needs your attention? And how will you start pursuing this area in your life?
We'll close with this. In the 1700s, we're throwing it all the way back. 1700s. We're throwing it all the way back to the 1700s. There was a man named Jonathan Edwards. He attended Yale at age 13. Pretty impressive. And he later became the president of Princeton. Uh, So pretty solid resume there. But here's the thing. He's best remembered for being an author and pastor. At the time he started his career, Jonathan was single. And as he uh, started growing in his relationship with God, growing in his character, he wrote out 65 what he called resolutions, basically commitments for how he was going to live. I will do this. I will not do this. This is how I will treat other people. 65 different resolutions. They, They became the foundation of impeccable character. Jonathan Edwards was a man who taught and obeyed everything Jesus commanded. As a single man, one day he noticed a young woman in his town named Sarah. And he started to notice Sarah more and more. He he eventually even wrote a passage in his journal about Sarah. I promise it was normal at the time. It wasn't creepy to journal (laughs) about another woman. Uh, And so Jonathan did. And, And this is what he had to say about Sarah. You could not persuade her to do anything wrong or sinful if you would give her all the world. She is of a wonderful sweetness, calmness, and universal benevolence of mind. She loves to be alone, walking in the fields and groves, and seems to have someone invisible always conversing with her. Haley, would every girl want a man to notice these things about her? For sure. For sure. I'm guessing I'm guessing they would. She always had someone invisible conversing with her. Sarah was a woman of prayer, Mm -hmm. and Jonathan took notice of her character. Sarah was a godly woman. They eventually got married, and they had 11 kids. 11 kids. That's a football team. So, babe, babe, we got to get after it. We got to get after it if we're going to get to 11. Jonathan was a man (laughs) of principle. They had regular family devotional times. Jonathan was invested in his kids' lives. He spent daily time with them. He prayed a special blessing for each of his 11 kids before they went to bed. I'm guessing he had to start at like four in the afternoon to get through all 11. Much of the credit, though, much of the credit of the child raising goes to Sarah. In 1900, okay, so about uh, 150 years after the Edwards, uh, you know, lived and died, a sociologist did a study on two different families to see the impact of someone's legacy. Both families they studied had 11 kids. One family they studied was the family of a man named Max Jukes. Okay, Max is described as a godless man who believed in the abolition of laws and rules. He allegedly formed the freedom movement, which preached free sex, no laws, no responsibilities. The other man that they studied with 11 kids, Jonathan Edwards. Like I said, both men fathered 11 kids. So how did their respective families turn out? Here's what they learned about Max Jukes's family. Freedom movement, abolition of, uh, of, of laws. laws. They found that 42 different men in the New York prison system were traced back to him. That there were seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 convicts, 310 people living in poverty, 440 people addicted to alcohol, and of the 1,200 people that were studied in his family line, 300 of them died prematurely. Wow. Here's what Jonathan and Sarah Edwards' marriage produced, okay? 
Contrary to Max Jukes, here's what their marriage produced. 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers, and a dean of a law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians, and a dean of a medical school, 80 people held public office, including three U.S. senators, uh, mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, a vice president of the United States, a controller of the United States Treasury, and authors of 145 books. Wow. wow. Yes. The study tried to pinpoint the cause of the legacy the Edwards left. And it wasn't because Jonathan and Sarah were smart. It wasn't because they had strong work ethic. And it wasn't because all of their descendants got lucky. The study attributed the Edwards legacy to the foundation of character in Jonathan and Sarah's marriage. Focus on the right person to be, not the person you want to be with. As you do, you will form a foundation of character that enables you to have the relationship you've always wanted. Thank you for listening. You can find all of the other breakout sessions from SMC on Apple and Spotify at SMC 2022 podcast.